Well, hey, I just want to say, uh, gosh, thanks for joining us here this evening for our candlelight service as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. My name is Wayne, and I'm the lead pastor here at the Mustard Seed Church. And uh, if you're new here, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you've come. You know, out of all the places that you could have went to and out of all the things that you could have done, uh, gosh, we're so glad that you're here and you're here with us. Also, if you're here and you're maybe trying to figure out who this Jesus guy is that we keep talking about, okay? Maybe you have questions or doubts or wonders, or maybe you've had a bad church experience and you sort of left the church for a while and now you're back and this is your first time maybe back in a while. Gosh, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We say all the time that this is a place here where you can belong before you believe. And so we love it when you bring questions and doubts and wonders and wrestlings and all of that stuff. So, to say all of that, we're so glad that you're here. So we have been going through our Advent series uh, where we started off with hope, faith, joy, and then peace. Let me see if I can light all of these, alright? We've had issues with this in the past. Alright, so it was hope. Lake started us off with hope. That's joy. Faith and peace. And today is the Christmas candle, the Christ candle, celebrating the birth of Christ, bringing it into our Advent series. So before we get into all of that, I want to start off by saying that uh, I want to start off by talking about the heart. I want to start off by talking about the heart. I read a blog the other day that had 70 popular heart sayings, and uh, you've probably heard some of these throughout your life. Let me see if you can even answer some of them for me, all right? The first one is, they say, home is where? The heart. The heart. Yeah, I can't get by y'all nothing. Look at that. All right, the second, distance makes the heart grow fonder. That's right. What? It's my heart's desire if I want a Tesla, right? If you know me, I'm in a Tesla. When you see an athlete trying really hard, we say, that kid has heart. Yes. If someone is emotional and vulnerable and pretty sensitive, you might say they wear their heart on their sleeves. Yes, this is a bright crowd. If you're like me, when you see cheesecake, your heart skips a beat. <laughs> That's just me personally. That's just me personally. All right. Or last but not least, do you remember back in the day when uh, you would remember somebody's phone number by heart, right? Remember somebody's phone number by heart. The heart. You know, this time of year, our hearts can feel so many things. Our hearts can feel full from all the Christmas parties and time with family, hanging with friends. For some of you, maybe it's the Hallmark movies. Anybody in the Hallmark movies? Yeah? Some of you, maybe it's the Hallmark movies. All the guys are like, no. <laughs> it's football season. <laughs> or the increase of sweets in your house. Anybody have any of that? I had somebody deliver a basket of goods to my house the other day that was chocolate, Oreos, and then peppermint on the top of it. And I tell you that my heart was full, and my belly as well, but my heart was full. We can feel all kinds of things this time of year with our heart. Also, on the 
other end of that, on the other side of the coin, this time of year, our hearts can be heavy. Yes, amen. Our hearts can be heavy. Maybe you're home alone with no one around, and you're lonely. Or maybe you've lost a loved one, or a relationship in your life has been fractured, and the relationship you had with somebody isn't what it used to be. Man, your heart is broken. This time of year, man, our hearts can feel so many things. But one of the things I love about this time of year, I love so much about it, mainly centered around the birth of Christ, is that we get to see a glimpse of God's heart for you and me. This time of year, we get to see a glimpse of God's heart for you and for me. So if you have your Bibles or your phone or you trust that I'm reading it, and if that's the case, I appreciate the trust you're extending. Turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 16. We're going to read the Christmas story, okay? Give you a couple minutes. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 16. Are we ready? You sound good? Okay, here we go. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Hyrnaeus was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Sound familiar, right? Just, our kiddos just acted it out. Because he, his house was of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swallowing cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. By the way, I seen a little meme that said, Joseph forgot to make reservations. That's why there was no place in the inn. <laughs> and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he's pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. The Christmas story according to Luke. This evening I have two things I want to highlight to you this morning from this scriptural reading. And the first one is God's plan. God's plan. And if you're any somewhat culturally up to date, I'm not talking about Drake and his God's plan. I'm talking about scripture and God's plan, okay? God's plan. What we see in the text is they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. This phrase, earth here, means not just uh, the round thing that spins in outer space. Or if, if for some of you, it might be flat. Uh, do we have any flat earthers in here? 
No fabric is okay. But it's this round thing that spins in space. That's also the earth. But what they talk about the earth is that the inhabitants who live on the earth. So when he says peace on earth, he's not just talking about the world and the shape of it and the, the form and the dirt and all that stuff, but he's talking about the inhabitants of the earth. He's talking about you and me and the people of this earth. And if you know anything about scripture, this echoes God's plan from the beginning. In the beginning, it says that God created the heavens and the earth and he spoke into existence the seas and the mountains and the birds and the fish and the animals and the stars and the moon and the sun. And then on the seventh day, he said that, on the sixth day, he said that he created Adam and Eve and he placed them in the garden. And it was in this garden that there was perfect relationship between humans and creation and humans and one another and between humans and God. There was this perfect relationship. It even says that God walked with them in the cool of the day. And then what we see is that there is the fall. That Adam and Eve try to do their own thing and go their own way and in doing so, the relationship between creation, one another, and God is then fractured. There's a divide between those three things. And from this moment on, God has a plan. We jump all the way to Genesis 12 and God calls Abraham out from his people. And he says that you... Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Not just you, not just your family, not just this nation, but all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abraham dies, and his son Isaac comes, and God goes to Isaac and says, Now through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Isaac dies, and then Jacob comes, and God says, Okay, now through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So when we read the scripture that says glory to the highest and peace on earth, the inhabitants, the people, me and you, this has been God's plan from the beginning. When we jump all the way back to the end of the scriptures in Revelation, it says that there's a, a multitude of nations before the throne and uh, all people from all nations and they're worshiping God before the throne. All the families of the earth will be blessed. This has been God's plan from the beginning. From the beginning, God's plan, God's heart, right, we're talking about the heart, is that you and me would come back to this garden relationship with him. That we would come back, that the relationship between us and creation, between one another and between us and him, that relationship would be restored. And that's been God's plan from the beginning. That things would be made right between us and Him. When I look at my life and I think of times that I have planned things, it's shown a lot about my heart. Can I tell you a story real quick about me? Alright? I'm going to be vulnerable real quick here for you. When I've tried to plan things, it's shown a lot about my heart. When my wife and I first started dating, which was like, oh gosh, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Uh, 17 years ago. Alright. 18 years ago. Dang Alright, when we first started dating, I planned one day that I would surprise her with a bouquet of flowers. And I would show up to her with flowers. 
And I had it all planned out. I would get all dressed up. I hopped in my 1984 Ford pickup truck, which, by the way, I was born in 1984, right? So I go old school with it, right? I jump in my pickup truck. I pick up these flowers, and I drive from Louisiana to Texas where she's at. And uh, just to give you a little backstory about this truck that I own, this 1984, 1984 Ford pickup truck, it was not in the best of conditions. Right? Think of a kind of old, creepy truck that you had seen in some horror film. Right? <laughs> right? You ever, like the, the, the old, creepy trucks coming up behind them on the interstate, and it's like the music gets weird. Think that, okay? It was a two tone gray truck. Like you could sit in the cab of it, you could see the road through the floorboard because it was rusted out. And the engine was so bad on it that if, I, if you ever wanted to go up a bridge, you had to dump way far away from the bridge, you build up speed, and then when you start going up the bridge, you hope you make it to the top. Like it was that kind of thing, it didn't have any horsepower at all. And so I, all dressed up, I have the flowers, I have the plan in place, and I'm on the way to see my now wife and girlfriend to surprise her. And in Lake Charles, Louisiana, there's this bridge called the I-10 Bridge, and it's probably, I don't know, 200 feet high, so it's way up there, okay? And so I see the bridge coming. I already know protocol. I got to floor it. You know what I'm saying? This is just this is just normal operating procedures. And so I'm way back, and the speed limit's 70, but I know if I do 70, I won't get it to the top. So then I got to do 85. Lord forgive me, right? And so I floor this thing, and here it goes, picking up speed, and I hit the bridge, and as soon as I go up the bridge, the speedometer goes 80, 70, 60, 50, like it's, and you ever been in something where you're like rocking it? Come on, come on, come on, right? That was me in this truck, and I have it floored all the way down, and I'm not going, I'm like losing speed with it floored all the way down. And so then I finally almost get to the top of the bridge, and I hear, and white smoke billows out underneath the hood. Like somebody lit a bonfire underneath the hood of my truck, okay? But I make it to the top, I coast all the way down, and I'm like, you know what, screw it. This is a 1984 Ford pickup, so I just keep my foot on the gas and ride it as far as I can. <laughs> and the smoke is just billowing out of the truck, right? I finally get to this spot, and uh, the truck just completely dies. I pull over on the interstate, I walk to the gas station, dress nice, flowers in hand, and I call her and say, hey, is there any way you could come pick me up? <laughs> And she says, sure, where you at? And I'm like, well, I'm in Vinton, which is, you know, it's not, no need to go in there. But I'm like, I'm like 40 minutes away. She was like, yeah, sure, I'll come pick you up. And right then, I knew she was a keeper, right? <laughs> so she drives all the way to come pick me up. She pulls into the parking lot, and I come out, and I have flowers in hand, all dressed up nice. And she's like, where's your truck? Like, how'd you get here? That was a long story. <laughs> But needless to say, my plan didn't go according to plan. Could we agree on that? But my heart behind this plan, my heart behind this plan is that I wanted to surprise her that she would feel so loved by me. That was my heart behind the plan. And this it's just a fraction of how God feels for you. This is just a fraction for his love 
for you. That he started this plan from the beginning. We see a glimpse of God's heart. And this leads us to the reason for the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ declares that God has come for me and for you. The birth of Christ declares that God has come to save and to rescue. The birth of Christ declares that God has come to set us free. That he's come to make a way that we can come back to him. This is why they show up and they rejoice when the angels show up with this good news. Because God's had a plan and it's coming to pass. That he would come to me and to you. The second thing that we see with the angels is declaring God's pleasure. They say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. God's pleasure. There's all kind of New Testament translations trying to figure out what the writers are saying in this text. Some of it says with whom God is pleased. Some of it says goodwill towards men. Some of it says uh, to men and women who he's pleased. Some of it says to whom his favor rests upon. They're trying to grasp at what God is trying to say here in the text. What we read today, it says that those with whom he is pleased. For many of us, this phrase, with whom God is pleased, might seem foreign to us. For some of you, you might have grown up in a church culture where guilt-mongering is the standard method to encourage obedience. That God is portrayed as perpetually irritated and dissatisfied with us as his people. And we, our goal as Christians is to work really hard not to take him off. That's been some of your church experience. So the idea that God is pleased with us seems foreign to us. Andrew Womack, who's a pastor here in Colorado, uh, one Sunday morning he records this in one of his sermons, and he asked the question, how many of you would love to please God more than anything else? And he said, everybody's hand in the building went up. 400 people. Everybody's hand went up. I'd love to please God more than anything else. Then he asked the second question. He says, how many of you feel like God is pleased with you? One 11-year-old boy and one 10-year-old girl raised their hand. And that was it. The idea that God would be pleased with us seems foreign to us. But we see here in the text, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he's pleased. Now some translators say this in the New Testament. Some New Testament theologians say, well, God is pleased because of what Jesus did on the cross and the justification and the sanctification. And when we say yes to what he's done, he has been pleased with us. Can I tell you in this text, Jesus ain't been to the cross yet. He's still in the manger. Nothing has, Jesus has done nothing yet on our behalf. He's still in the manger. And God looks at you and me and says, Peace on earth with whom I am well pleased. With me and my girls, I have three daughters. I routinely try to find myself telling them how much I'm pleased with them. Whether through a text message or talking to them face to face. And usually it looks something like this. This is in my household. I go up to my girls and I hug them and then I put my ear on their, my hands on their ears. 
And I look them eye to eye, and I say, I'm so glad, I'm so thankful that I'm your dad. I'm so pleased that you are my daughter. And usually it goes like this. They go, oh, gosh, yeah. You know? <laughs> usually. And usually I'm the one crying, right? I house with a girl, I cry all the time now. My hope for them is that in some small way, they feel the Father's pleasure. That's my hope for them. And my hope for you this evening is that in some small way, you feel God's pleasure towards you. That you are made and created in His image. And just from that, He's pleased. Now, yes, do we mess up? Do we miss the mark? Do we try to be like Adam and Eve and run off and do our own thing sometimes? That, uh, that's me? Do we maybe do, th do things contrary to what God would have us do or even do things that grieve His heart? Yes. But at the core of who we are as men and women, at the core of who we are as sons and daughters, before Jesus did anything on the cross, he looked at you and me and he said, I'm well pleased. I'm glad that you're my son and daughter. My friends, we are loved. And this is why when we look at the birth of Christ, we see God's heart, God's pleasure on display. That God loves you and me enough that he would send his son, that he would give his life, that in some way you and me could come back into relationship with him like it was in the beginning in the garden. This is why the Gospel of John, John 3.16, the most Googled scripture in all of history, says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He looked at you and me and said, I love them. And in that love, we see God's pleasure and God's heart on display in the birth of Christ. God's pleasure and God's plan. This is the reason for the season. Because God is at work. His plan will come to pass. He looks at you and me and he says, I love you. Yes, there's some things I don't want you to do. I feel that same way as a dad. There's some things my daughter's doing. I'm like, are you serious? Where did the common sense go? Like it just left, right? Does that stop me from loving them? It doesn't. And we find this in the birth of Christ. God's plan come to pass. God's pleasure, His love on display that He would send His Son to give His life for you and for me. What a reason to sing this morning, this morning, this evening, right? What a reason to celebrate. What a reason to worship. 